we do recognize that we have no wisdom or power to which we can boast. Uh, we are here because of you. And so, Lord, I just pray that, that we would surrender, that we would submit ourselves to you, that as, as you speak to us through your word this morning, that we would set aside anything that comes between us and you, and that we would be, begin to experience and be able to share this living hope that you have given us through your resurrection. Lord, we just pray that the things that we do would be to know you more and to make you known. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Please have a seat. Luke 4, 31 through 44. Then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke, spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is! For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Wait, there's more. Sorry. Now, when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowds sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. All righty. Thank you, Sarah. It is time if you have kids. First through third grade, is that what we're dismissing? First through third? I don't know. Up through third grade. Does anyone want to go downstairs? They are welcome to follow Brittany. All right. My name's Pat. My, oh. Not only do I get the timing wrong on songs when you guys all get it right, I can't even say my own name. <laughs> Whew. All right, so my name is Pastor Ruben. Thank you so much for being here at Living Hope Church. Um, if you've never been here before, there, there should be a card in front of you uh, in, in the pew or the chair. Pews old-fashioned. Thank you. We don't have pews. 
Um, I've sat on pews en- enough times in my life. I've, um, I-, I like chairs and nice cushions. Um, in the chair in front of you, there should be a little card. If you wouldn't mind filling that out, that just gives me uh, a way to be able to reach out to you and connect with you and see how we can better serve you. So if you wouldn't mind filling that out and placing that in the box in the back on that back table, that box is for our, for our church, uh, for, for those of us that want to invest in this, the growth of God's kingdom here uh, through Living Hope Church. That's for us to give uh, our tithes and offerings. But if you'd fill that card out and drop it off there, uh, I would love to reach out to you. Um, I got a few announcements before we jump into the passage today. There's a few things we want to talk about. First of all, I want to mention um, that we've had some some volunteers that have been helping with youth group for a handful of years. We're very thankful for all their help, um, but they're they're stepping down. And so on Wednesday nights, we need some help. Um, we uh, the people that we're helping with youth group are not there, so that means other people have to step up, and uh, we. We also started Kids Night, which took some volunteers, and so now we're stealing some of them to help with youth group, and so now, now we, just, we just need a little bit more help. So if you're available Wednesday night, um, it, whether you're willing to teach or you're just willing to hang out and make sure kids don't, like, punch each other, you know, we, we would love the help. So if you're willing and available to help on Wednesday nights, that's Wednesday night, 545 to about 7. I talk a lot, so it's like 7.05. We're, we'll keep creeping like we are on Sunday mornings, right? 7.15, you know. No, uh, parents will get after me. Um, also want to mention on the back table, there's uh, some Bible study surveys. If you're interested in, in a small group Bible study, wh- uh, whether that's, um, well, the whole survey is to figure out what that looks like. Um, so when that might be, when that might work for you, uh, what topics you might be interested in. If you wouldn't mind filling that out, either putting it in that same box as the offerings or give it to Steve or I, we would uh, love uh, to get some input on that. And we see we have a Bible study, a new one starting tonight, um, starting the book of Ephesians. That'll be at six o'clock tonight over in that classroom over there. Um, but I'm excited to maybe start another one separate time. And so the more surveys we get back, the, the better prepared we can be and, and maybe uh, get a lot more people than just me there. That'd be good. Um, also want to mention next week is the first Sunday of the month, and we're going to have a potluck after the service. Uh, the theme is soup and salad. Soup and salad. I might have my wife make some, like, um, breadsticks or, like, French bread, garlic bread or something. That'd be good, huh? I mean, we're just, we're just ripping off Olive Garden, right? So the, the breadsticks and soup and salad, like, that's all we're trying to do, right? Um, also, that was not pointed. If, if you have soups that they don't serve at Olive Garden, we'd still be excited to try all of them. Like, I'll get little taster cups, and I'll try all of them just so you know, like, I love soup. So... That's, that's next week, just after the service. Um, more than welcome uh, to just come and, and, and fellowship and spend some time getting to know people. Um, and then one last thing I want to mention, and then we'll get going. Um, so I'm going to be taking a trip here in the month of March. And originally, like, it's weird how it works out because it's like two-week trip, but then it feels like I'm gone for three weeks. 
feels like I'm gone for the whole month of March is what it almost feels like. Um, but what that looks like is um, on March 10th, my friend from Casper, uh, Jacob Cooper, will be here, and he's going to uh, be presenting a sermon. Uh, I, I've talked to him, uh, and I don't know how much he'll share. Um, I asked him if he would share some of his testimony, um, kind of some of the, the battles he's had in what it means to actually follow God. And so uh, and he's... He's one of my best friends, so I say this lovingly. He's, you know, it would be nice if you could just get an audio. Um, he's not a pretty human being. He's like this tall, and he looks like an ogre. But um, don't worry. I tell him to that. I'll, I'll, I'll call him today and say I said that. Like, I call him an ogre all the time. Uh, but he has a heart and a passion and a desire to serve our God. And so uh, I, I'm, I'm excited that you guys get to see that. And then the following week, March 17th, I mentioned in passing earlier, March 17th, Matt Masis, he's our regional um, support guy. He's going to be here and he'll present a sermon. And I think he's going to pick up where I'm leaving off in Luke so that like I'm not forgetting about Luke for a whole month. So, um, But uh, he's been here before. Many of you, I, I'm sure, have met him, but he'll be preaching for us on March 17th. And then... I'll be back, and you're stuck with me again, okay? It, it'll, be, it'll be good. But please be praying for that trip. Um, so we're leaving um, March 6th. Um, we'll begin our journey. Um, it's, it's like a full day and a half of flying um, to get to Liberia, uh, but we're very excited about um, the work that's there. So be, please be praying. Um, it's Lighthouse Ministries Children's Village that we'll be visiting. And, and the orphanage there and, and what God wants to do there. So please keep that in prayer. Okay, so we're in the book of Luke. Little transition. Is saying, okay, we're in the book of Luke a good enough transition, or you guys want more? Okay, good, okay. Um, so here's the, here's, here's the hard part, is the Bible... We, we break the Bible up into these different sections and chapters and verses and, and really like they're kind of just like written without those. And so sometimes we break it up because this is how much time I have and, and I already get yelled at for how long I go. I don't get yelled at, but like, you know, I'm told I can talk a long time. So, you know, we, we break it into these different sections. And so before we get into this passage today, I want us to very quickly look at what we talked about last week. Because we talked about last week is Jesus was back in his hometown and Jesus goes to the synagogue, which is just a place where the Jewish people would come to meet. Um, it's not the temple. They're not offering sacrifices as the Old Testament law would say. Instead, what they're doing is they're coming together as their Jewish friends and family and, and just neighbors, uh, whoever's within walking distance. They would come to these synagogues on the Sabbath and they would read scripture and they would encourage each other. In, in following and worshiping their God, okay? Kind of like what we do. We don't offer sacrifices here. Um, I hope, ho uh, you know, maybe I should look around the building some more. I hope we're not like offering live sacrifices. Um, uh, but we come together and we want to encourage each other in, in what it means to follow God. And, and 
And so they would do this in the synagogue. And Jesus went back to his hometown, and he went into the synagogue. And because he's, he's gaining some notoriety, he's been baptized by John the Baptist. This voice came from heaven, like crazy things are happening. Uh, he's preaching this message of a coming kingdom. And, and, and he's becoming, like, he's gaining notoriety as a, as a rabbi. And so they offer to let him read scripture. And he reads this passage. And I want to read this passage because this passage that he reads out of uh, the book of Isaiah becomes the outline for what we're going to talk about today. So here's what he reads in, in Isaiah chapter, or it's in Isaiah 61 is what he's reading from, but we're reading it in the book of Luke when he reads it. And it says, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And so this, this passage that he reads is going to be the outline of what Sarah read for us. Because it, it's, it's hard when, when people tell stories about Jesus. It's, it's kind of hard to be like, okay, this happened and then immediately this happened. And, and when gospel, the, the gospel of Mark, when he's trying to give this biography of Jesus, he's saying all the time, well, immediately this happened, immediately this happened, and then this happened. And, and they're just like trying to remember these stories of Jesus. And, and so it's hard as we consider like, why are these stories placed exactly where they are? And, and I want us to consider that, that Luke is giving us this like presentation Jesus goes to the, the synagogue in his hometown, and he reads this passage, and he gives his purpose for what he's doing. He is going to preach the gospel to the poor. He's going to bring healing. He's going to bring deliverance. He's going to bring sight to the blind. He's going to do these great things, all for the express purpose of proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord, the, the year of God's favor, the, the, the promised year. And really what Jesus is entitling this is the kingdom of God. He's coming to preach the kingdom of God. Well, what we see, what we looked at a little bit last week is when Jesus, when he read this and, and he said he's coming to preach about this coming kingdom and he's anointed by God to do this. It's been promised of old that Jesus would come and do this. The, the people from his hometown were like, you? You? I watched you running on the street. Like, I watched you grow up. I, I, I bought furniture from you, right? And, and they had this hard time seeing Jesus as this Messiah, this, this promised anointed one, this one that would bring deliverance, this one that would usher in the kingdom of God. They had a hard time believing and recognizing that Jesus, the one they had watched grow up, could be the Christ. And, and so in the passage we look at today, that you know, he's called the Holy One. And, and this ties so much with the book of Isaiah. The, the book of Isaiah is always talking about the Holy One, the Anointed One. And these are all synonymous terms for the idea of the Messiah, or in, 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 in Greek, the Christ. All of these are the same, same person, same title that they're talking about. And so... They, uh, Jesus' hometown couldn't see that Jesus was the Messiah. And, and they, were, they would say things like, prove it to us. 
And yet Jesus is not a genie to just go prove himself to us. Because he's here for a purpose. To preach the gospel. To preach the good news that God's kingdom is here. Right? And so Jesus comes to preach. And so here we see this continuation. That, that was all kind of what we talked about last week. But now we're here to this week. We made it. Hopefully someone's still with me. So we're here this week, and, 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 and the, the author, Luke, is going to give us a couple of examples of how Jesus came to preach the gospel. So if you look with me very quickly in verse number 31, it says, Then he went down to Capernaum, different location, different area, to the city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. So if you have your outline, the first thing I want us to see is that Jesus has authority in his teaching. And this is, I want, I want us to recognize, this is like the primary thing. This is the important thing. When, when Jesus reads the, 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 the passage from Isaiah, it says, The Spirit of the Lord, Lord is upon me and has anointed me to preach to, to preach just means to like proclaim, to tell, to, to tell the truth, to, to speak it to, to anyone who will hear it, to proclaim the gospel. And, and the gospel, like, you know, Jesus, his, his, his message, the first sermon we have recorded in the book of Matthew is simple. It says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and this is the message that Jesus is going into the synagogues and that he's preaching. Everything that God has promised from things like Isaiah, this holy, this, this anointed one, this, this year of the Lord, this year of God's favor, this kingdom of God, it's coming. And we know, because, you know, I've read the rest of the book. I hope you guys have read some of it too. We know that the gospel is not just about a coming kingdom. It's about the fact that God himself, who created us to have relationship with him, to know him, to live with him, even though we sinned against him, our creator stepped down into creation and he paid the penalty of our sins so that we could be reunited with him. And this kingdom of God is life with him. The gospel is that the brokenness in our life because of our sin and because we have rejected our God, because we have rejected our creator, because we have rejected the design and the purpose for which he created us, the gospel is that God has made a way for us to be forgiven of that sin. He has paid the penalty of our sin. He took our place and died in our place. And now we can be redeemed. We can be forgiven. We can be given new life. This is the gospel. This is what it means when Jesus says, I'm going to, what, what, what's the passage there in Isaiah talk, say? It says, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. This is the gospel. And when Jesus speaks this, there's authority in it. I can tell you all day long, I forgive you. Doesn't do a lot. Because who am I? Like, if, if you come up and smack me in the face, and, and I say, hey, I forgive you for hitting me. Awesome. Sweet. 
I still can't heal the brokenness in your life. Sure, in this one instance, in this one interaction, I can forgive you for what you've done to me. But what we need to recognize is what Jesus came to heal is not just this momentary issue, but it's the entire brokenness in our life. Uh, I, uh, I spoke this week um, out of the book of Ecclesiastes. And, and in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says that everything that God has created is, is beautiful and it's going to last forever. And he says what he has done is he has set eternity in our hearts. And what we need to recognize is that when God created us, he gave us purpose and a design. He created us in his image. When he created us, he created us to be with him. And the fact that we've rejected him means that we're not fulfilling our inherent design. There should be, listen, there should be like trouble in this life. This, this life we're not meant to live it apart from God. So when we choose things that are apart from God, it's no wonder that there's like anxiety and fear and trouble and, and sickness and death and, and like everything that we're worried about around us is because we live in a world that has rejected our God. And the gospel is that the only one that has the power and the authority to heal that, to mend that, to, to fix that, has. And, and I have no power and authority in your life except to point you to the one who has given new life, who can bring forgiveness, who can heal and restore. And that's our God. And Jesus, when he comes, he comes with an authority. And what he teaches and what he proclaims is by his own authority. Now, Jesus is careful in, in other passages to not just be like this, you know, like this lone man on the totem pole. And everyone just has to listen to what I say. Like he argues that, that he's here because his father has sent him. He's not here to do just whatever he wants. He's here to accomplish the purpose that God has given him. And, well... I, it's confusing, I recognize that. He is God. But what we begin to recognize is what Jesus is saying is, I'm not here for just this momentary purpose. I'm here because from the very beginning, I've been working towards this to bring all mankind back into relationship with him. And so this is his purpose for all time. So Jesus is speaking, he's preaching, and he has the authority to do it. And this passage that Isaiah taught, or that Jesus quoted from the book of Isaiah, it mentions a handful of things that Jesus is going to do. He's going to deliver. He's going to heal. And here we have this, this continuing outline. His purpose is coming to preach the gospel. But what he does is he proves that. Not in a manner where we get to just ask God to be a genie and fix our problems. But through his purposes and through his actions, he begins to show us his power and his authority. And, and the next thing I want us to see is that Jesus has power and authority over the spiritual realm. There's this crazy passage here. If we kept reading, reading, if we keep reading, 
Verse number 33 says, Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of Israel, the Holy One of God. There's a couple things about this passage that are just kind of very interesting to me. First of all, notice the location. They're in the synagogue. They're reading scripture together. They're there to encourage each other to worship our God. And yet in the midst of them is demonic activity. We, we live in America, and, and, and I, I fear we have this idea that demonic activity is something that just used to happen. Or maybe, maybe we think it's all been explained by science. And if things like COVID haven't taught us, science doesn't have the answers, I don't know what's going to get it through our heads. But, listen, we don't get to explain away and, and I, this is my opinion. I can't go prove this through scripture. But, man, it's my opinion that, that, that demonic activity will try every single way it can to get us to ignore them as long as we're ignoring God, too. We are not safe. We are not protected from demonic activity just because we are in this room. We, you, you are not safe, you are not protected from demonic activity just because you wear a cross necklace. There's only one who has power and authority over demonic. That's Jesus. And you would be foolhardy to think you can stand against the forces of demons from Jesus. What I want us to recognize from this, though, is this is, I, I, don't, I don't want us to get into this place where we're, where we're listen, there, there are people, I, I've seen people, I, I, I've heard stories of people, I, I, I've watched people become enamored with things they can't see, things they can't explain, and it becomes all-encompassing to them. And they begin to neglect the plain things that Jesus has said because they're trying to understand the hidden things. And I do not believe Jesus shares with us his power over the spiritual realm for us to become so enamored with the spiritual realm that we forget what he's doing here. Instead, what we're supposed to do is in all the hidden stuff that is happening, that we recognize is happening. Listen, there's a spiritual war that is happening all around us and inside of us. This is a very real spiritual war, and we have our part to play in it. The, the book of Ephesians, I'm excited that we're going to study the book of Ephesians. It talks about how do we fight this spiritual war. I'll give you a hint. It's Jesus Christ. If you want to go look at the, 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 the armor of God, I'll, I'll give you a hint. 
It's all Jesus Christ. Every single piece is trusting in Jesus Christ. This is how we battle spiritual beings. It's by not trusting ourselves and not trusting power and authority anywhere else except in Jesus Christ. Because he is the only one that has the authority to speak and tell them to shut up and tell them to get out and go away. And this is why Jesus came, to proclaim the gospel to those of us that are poor enough and broken enough to recognize that there's all kinds of things in our life that I have no control over. And what I need is a savior. What I need is my creator to fix it. And what Jesus is showing us here in showing that he has authority over the spiritual realm is not some prototype for us to figure out how we can cast out demons. Instead, he's showing us his authority. He's showing us that it's his voice that has power. Imagine it. They're in the synagogue, and here's this guy. He's going off at them. Oh, he's loud. This demon. That's not supposed to be like a one-to-one ratio with me. I know I'm loud. I'm sorry. But like, I know I talk a lot. Ooh, man, maybe I should be checking myself. But here it goes again. And he starts saying things. What do you want from us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. And again, I'll I'll emphasize again, the Holy One of God, this is direct reference to the, the promised Messiah. This is the Holy One, the Anointed One. This is what all of Scripture has been waiting for. The Christ. Do you think it's interesting? And and there like we could skip ahead too, right? Verse number 41. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. Man, this sounds like a good thing, isn't it? Like how like didn't didn't we just battle with with Jesus getting kicked out of his hometown because they couldn't figure out that the guy they saw was the Christ? Is it, like, wait, wait, the people he grew up with can't figure out he's the Christ. But every demon in the area is saying, yep, he's the Christ. Man, this almost sounds like a good thing. Right? Why is Jesus telling them to shut up? It sounds like they're supporting him. It sounds like, it sounds like Jesus has the approval of all the demons. Oh, the tactics of the devil. Jesus does not need the approval of demons. Let me be clear. Those who follow Jesus Christ do not need the approval of the world and demons. We need only the approval of our God. We need only the forgiveness and the righteousness of our King. We do not need... We don't need the affirmations and the applause of men. Jesus doesn't need demons pointing to him and saying, oh, yep, he's the Christ. We don't need that confusion. 
Jesus speaks. It's interesting. We're, we're, we're looking at three different things that Jesus has authority in. He has authority in his teaching. Guess what you have to do when you're teaching? Speak. Jesus has authority over the spiritual realm. Do you know how he does it? He speaks. Super simple. Verse number 35. Be quiet. Come out of him. Jesus speaks. And the demons obey. They flee. You know, I, I talked a lot in the last two weeks about this idea that Jesus works in the physical to affect the spiritual. That Jesus works in the temporal to affect the eternal. And, and I want us to, to, to see this here. Because Jesus is proving his power in the spiritual realm. Because our greatest need is a spiritual problem. And when we keep looking for a physical savior, we're finding inadequate things. And Jesus here is not giving us, like, let us not become enamored with the hidden things. Let us instead see the authority of our king. Because he is the power to heal our greatest need, which is the spiritual brokenness inside of us. But us, let us also not forget, lastly on the outline, that Jesus has authority over the physical realm. Directly following the story, and, and again, I believe this is meant to be like, uh, like set in the light of what Jesus said in Nazareth. But next in this passage is, it says in verse number 38, now he arose from the synagogue and he entered Simon's house. Simon, who later Jesus is going to name Peter. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her, rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. Jesus has authority in his teaching because he speaks. Jesus has authority over the spiritual realm by speaking. And Jesus has the authority over the physical realm, including sickness, by looking at a sick person saying, stop. <laughs> I wish I could do that. Like instead, I just like chug a bunch of emergency and like 15 vitamins, right? Like. Make sure I'm eating my yogurt and my oatmeal, right? Like, man, I don't get to just speak and, and everything's better. But it, like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I have a vivid imagination. Can you just imagine for a moment? Jesus, he's in the synagogue and Simon's like, hey, you want to come over for lunch after church? Okay, sweet. And he comes in. He's like, hey, I'm sorry. Like, I'll get cleaning. But, you know, my mother-in-law's been sick. And, and it's just been piling on, you know. We just haven't been able to keep up on the chores. And, you know, I'm really glad you're here. And, and I make a really good steak. And you're going to enjoy it. Just give me one minute. And, and maybe, you know, if you want my mother-in-law, I know you can heal. Um, if you don't mind. And Jesus just walks up and he's like, get up. Like, 
how weird is this situation? Like, I'll be honest, like, I pray for people that are sick. Like, I, I think there's good, strong standing. I, I mean, there's passages in the book of James where it says for those that are sick to, to go and ask for elders to pray for them. And it says that the prayer of a, of a righteous man avails much. Like, we can have effect by asking God to do something. But I just, I don't get the right to go up to a sick person and just be like, ah, you're not sick anymore. No, that, that's not for me to say. But I do have the relationship. I do have access to the one who can speak and fix anything. It is not enough for us to be looking for a physical savior. Our greatest need is a spiritual problem. But let us not ever think our God is so spiritually minded that he can't do anything here and now. Jesus speaks. I want us to recognize something too. Jesus speaks and, and Peter's mother-in-law is healed. And then she gets up and she has a purpose. God works in the physical to, to affect the spiritual. And God is willing to bring healing. And God healed Peter's mother-in-law. And she got up with renewed purpose. With a, with a design. And let me ask you this. Why are you asking to be healed? What's the purpose? Ooh. I want to stop. I'm sorry. I, I want to ask in a kind way. But I want to ask, are the things you're asking of God just for selfish reasons? This is not, I'm not trying to make an accusation. This is for me. Why are we asking God to do something? Is it just so, like, in the, the way that book of James would say so I can consume it to my own lusts am I just asking God for me God has a design and a purpose and it's great and it's wonderful and God can do great things in our brokenness in this fallen world but what's the purpose again I have to hearken back to the passage in Isaiah He's going to heal the blind to proclaim the year of the Lord. And when we are asking God to do things in this physical world, we need to proclaim the gospel. It is not just for our selfish needs. It is so that we can preach, so that we can proclaim the goodness of our God, the sufficiency of our God, to show that he is the only one that we trust in this life, and in the one to come. Jesus has the authority to teach. Jesus has the authority in the spiritual realm, and he has the authority in the physical realm. And I want us to see, just, I know I'm going long, but if you look at just verse number 40, 
42, it says, Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. Jesus is on a mission. And Jesus has a purpose. He came. He has the spirit of the Lord upon him. He is anointed to preach the gospel. And he is working actively and vigilantly to preach the gospel. And I want us to recognize that when he after his death, his burial, and his resurrection, before he ascended up into heaven, those that followed him, he said this to them. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So we who follow him, go preach the gospel. Jesus is on a mission. He's actively working to preach the gospel, to draw all those that have rejected him back to him, to bring life and forgiveness. And those who follow him must be on mission. What's your role in God's kingdom? How are you preaching the gospel? I have one, one more question for us. As, as, we, as we consider today God's power his authority, that the, the voice that spoke everything into creation is the same voice that is preaching repent. It's the same voice that's saying, be quiet and get out. It's the same voice that said, you're not sick anymore. As, as, as we see the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, what is your response what is your response? I, I just read it a second ago, but look at the response of the crowds. They said, Jesus went away into a deserted place, but the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving. This should be our heart. This should be our response when we see that our greatest need can only be met by the power and the authority of our God. We should seek him. We should draw close to him. We should wrap our arms around him and refuse to let go. Uh, Jesus is on a mission and we can be a part of that. We can be a part of that because we will be with him. And we will follow him. And we will stay with him as he is working. What is your response as you see the power and the authority of Jesus Christ? Are you seeking him? Do you desire to be with him? Or are you just asking him to prove himself before you'll trust him? Let me pray. Lord, we come to you today, and I'm, I'm so thankful that you are busy, that you are not apathetic, that you did not wait for us, but that you came down and that you came preaching so, Lord, I pray, I pray for each of us in this room that we would have this heart and this desire to be with you. That it would be our prayer, as it was David's in the Psalms, that you would never leave us. That you would not depart from us. That you would not forsake us. 
So Lord, as we seek you, I pray that you would, you would do what only you can do. And, and Lord, I pray for those, those even in this room that maybe don't even know what their spiritual need is. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to them, that you would once again not be apathetic, but that you would draw them to you, that they would see your mercy and your forgiveness, and they would see that you are good. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today, guys. Uh, I do want you to know I would love to talk with anyone about any of the things I talk about. And, and I do believe um, that a life of hope with Jesus Christ is the most important thing that we can have. And if you ever have any questions about that, I would love to talk with you about what it means to have life with God. Also, if you have questions, I'm sure there's plenty of people around you that have answers if you're tired of hearing my voice. But thank you so much for being here today. I do pray, uh, hope uh, that we would go out this week, that we would continue to desire God, and that the things that we would do would preach and proclaim his goodness everywhere we go. Thank you, guys.